going to start a new series titled Paradigm Shift. I consider this the introduction of such a series. On this Halloween weekend, I like to preach from this thought, dim bones. Y'all know I'm hood. Pray for me. I've known some missionaries that have been spotted and found in some strange places. In fact, in his book, Organic Church, Neil Cove describes a number of missional communities that go where the people are rather than have the people come to them. Such church communities meet in various places, indulging in pubs, community centers, and simple living rooms. One particular church called described meets in a coffee house. After the small band of people experienced some growth, they immediately decided to send out their own missionaries to start a church in another coffee house called Portfolios. Cole describes Portfolio as a coven for witches, warlocks, sanctities, and vampires. People who have decided to live their life according to the typical vampire narrative, sleeping in coffins, fouling their teeth to the point of being fangs and only coming out at night. There's some real stuff going on here. Despite the darker setting, Portfolio soon became the site of surprising kingdom growth. Cole writes, the first person to become a Christian at Portfolio's was Manuel. Tim, one of our team members, was an excellent evangelist. He sat across the table from Manuel and opened his Bible to Romans 6.23. He gave Manuel to read for himself. Just then, Joey, a recruiter for the occult, for the occult and part of the coven, came and sat next to Manuel. Joey likes to talk and has a foul mouth, so Tim prays silently. Lord, keep his ears open and his mouth closed. Joey didn't say a word. Then Jatika. Then Jack came. Sat on the other side of Manuel. Jack is an atheist philosopher who loves to talk but doesn't get very far. Tim prayed the same silent prayer, and Jack didn't say a word. Then enters, finally, Psycho Saul. He came up behind Tim. Psycho Saul is the leader of the vampires. He is tall, thin, and pale, and he dresses in all black with a long black trench coat and long, frizzy hair down his back. Saul leaned over and whispered to Tim, I just want you to know that I have my sword with me. And Tim answered, oh, that's nice. I have mine too, pointing to his Bible. Manuel is reading it now. Then Psycho Paul leans over again and said, no, I really do have my sword. And he opened his trench coat there, and hanging from his belt was a double-edged sword. Tim prayed silently again, Lord, keep his ears open and his mouth closed. And don't let him cut off my head. I'm glad that he added that on to the end. That's what I would have prayed. Manuel glances up from his reading. At that moment, with a confused look on his face, he read it again, and suddenly the light went on in his eyes, and a smile came across his face. 
He understood that the wages of sin was death. But the gift, hallelujah, praise the Lord. The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. At that moment, Joey got up to leave. Jack rose from the table and walked away, and Psycho Saul took his sword and left. And from that moment, portfolios became a holy ground. Emmanuel was baptized at a beach within a week. Within a few weeks, he, was baptized, he baptized his first convert at the same beach. He baptized another convert a few weeks after that. Within a short time, a second church was started from converts from Provolios. Then a short time later, a third was started out of the rich, dark soil of this pocket of people. And there you have it, friends, a missionary found in a strange place, a coffee house, a coven for witches, warlocks, Satanists, and vampires. One quick glance at the Bible and we'll discover it's not strange at all to spot, keep, and discover God's people in strange places. If you don't believe me, consider Jesus, who was often spotted not in the church, but in houses with sinners. So much he earned the title, friend of sinners. Therefore, believers should lock away in their house behind their curtains on Halloween. No, instead, preachers and Pastors and missionaries and all believers ought to be spotted among the dead. Because no matter where God is calling you, no matter where God is calling you, it is to a graveyard. As far as I'm concerned, every day is Halloween. Every day I see dead people dressing up and going to work. Every day I see dead people going to the coffee shop, the hair salon. Can you say amen? Say ouch. AMC theaters, buying cars, watching Netflix, watching Hulu, going to the Bears game. Hey, man, Adam. Shopping at Ross. Ain't that right, Crystal? Making TikTok videos and et cetera. And what I discovered is that God does his best work in the graveyard. Help me preach Holy Ghost. The best ministry, friends. Come out, comes out of the graveyard. This is where we find the epic preacher and priest, Ezekiel, in the dear known world. We find him in a graveyard, also known as the Valley of Dry Bones. And God gives Ezekiel, a 25-year-old priest from the family of Zechariah, a vision, a vision in the Valley of Dry Bones. Ezekiel is about to enter a new state of awareness. God is taking him to a state we may call spiritualization. See, this is where God lives. God lives in a state of existence of which is outside of time and space. Our existence is physical creation. But outside of time and creation is where God exists and where we will go after, after we are released from these bodies. Ezekiel had the privilege, the opportunity to enter into the eternal domain to commune with God and receive a most unique message. Why take Zeke, God, to this place? Why stop his schedule? Why inconvenience him, take him 
to another place? Why call him a spiritual Uber and usher him on to where you are? Why take Zeke to another place, God? I believe God needed Zeke to have a paradigm shift. See, a paradigm has less to do with what you're looking at and more to do what you're looking through. A paradigm has less to do with what you're looking at and more to do with what you're looking through. Because you can't be like Jesus unless you see like Jesus. You cannot be like Jesus until you start to see like Jesus. Now, many of us in the room, we assume that we see like Jesus. Oh, yes, we do. I know I see the world the way Jesus sees it. And most of the things that we say that we see is because somebody told us. It's not because we did the hard work and the hard digging. And on top of that, it's not like we took in much time to commune before God to say, God, how do you see the world? Often, if God is going to use us in the graveyard, he has to change the lens by which we see the graveyard. So that we might know the graveyard doesn't have the final say-so. Oh, can you relate to me this morning? We often are called to minister among the hopeless, the depressed, the marginalized, the poor, the lost, those who are in very dark places. We are called to minister to those who are traumatized, we, those who have given up on their marriage, those who are beat down by the dating world, those who have been taken captive of their own lust, those who are cold-hearted and fixed on sin. And when you consider their dead and cold situation, even you, the preacher, wonders if life can even happen here. Maybe you're in your own graveyard looking at a dead situation, a situation you thought you could handle. But now time has lapsed. No change has come. Depression has, finally, depression has finally caught up with you. You've been running away from your situation. You say, if I can hold on just a little bit longer, I know that God will show up at some point and deliver me from this circumstance in this situation. You started off strong and you had deep faith down in your soul, but eventually you discovered that the person that you thought that you love will never change. Your job never came through. And so you were able to outrun depression, but now it's caught up with you and it's took grip of your soul and you barely want to come to church anymore because you say, what the heck with it? If God can't answer this prayer, then why believe in him? Maybe you're in your own graveyard situation. And maybe what you need is not a different situation, but a paradigm shift. Can I take it a step further and relate to you? Here we find Flourish Church in a what most call a strange city. And some people, I even disrespectfully, Coin Gary as Scary Gary, a city that many might describe as desolate, destitute, dead, and devastated. I wonder myself, can Gary live again? Can the once vibrant city make a comeback? Can the abandoned buildings become places of life? Can I preach this morning? Can businesses live here again? Can the poor be treated right? 
Can folks get saved on my block and Chris block and Lamont's block and Angie's block and Will and Demeter's block and those blocks around the new church? I wonder sometimes, God, can you raise up these dry bones in this city again? Many have encouraged me. Yes, they did. I told them I moved to Gary, built a house, and they just look at me and they start scratching their head. Many have encouraged me, Pastor. Just go somewhere else where you can get a nicer salary. I don't know how Flurry's going to treat me, but, you know, you, ne- you never know. It, it is Flurry. No, I'm messing around. Go somewhere where you can grow a faster congregation. And many can't understand why we choose to minister in the valley. But like Ezekiel, God has given us a vision in the valley. Because, you know, a lot of ministry happens in the valley. The psalmist wrote, even though, here it is, James, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. That's a valley. As a kind of acknowledgement that life has its lows, cold, and dangerous places. But it is not just the psalmist, but Isaac camped out in the valley. Isaac was a homeless and stranded between the unprecedented prosperity of his crops and the jealousy of the Philistines in Genesis 26. He spent a night and a season in the valley. David fought a giant in the valley. There were others in the valley as well, but they were unwilling to face the giant like David was. And what I had to do is I had to slow down and and I had to ask the question, why was David willing to fight the giant and the rest of them were not? Because David was looking at the giant through God and not his circumstance and situation. We need a paradigm shift. And friends, I came to tell you that the same God The same God, Yahweh, the same God who stood with David in the valley of Eli when he faced the mighty Goliath is the same God who stands with those whom he calls to the valley. Here in Ezekiel 37, we discover Zeke is called to the valley. I don't know if I should keep using Zeke. Some of y'all are going to a TV show, but we're going to keep going. We ain't going to say nothing. We discover in this text, not only is God calling Zeke to the valley, but as the Reverend Dr. Dates points out, not only was Zeke called to the valley, but the valley was calling out to Zeke. The valley, these natural terrains that take you deeper than you expected and sometimes hide you from natural light. We, we certainly have our valleys here in Gary, dark places of depression and oppression, Westbrook and Low End and Oak Nose and Eastside and Black Oak, places where delivery trucks will not go, places where those businesses that say they service Northwest Indiana with the exception of Gary as if Gary is not part of Northwest Indiana. Y'all, I just got my own thing going on up here. Places where people are forgotten, struggling, and at times strung out. 
overgrown lots with weeds and garbage. Gary has become a dumping ground for outsiders of Valerie. I've sat in the mayor's community meeting and watched people with tear-stained eyes say things like this. We feel forgotten. I watch mamas walk up at these meetings with tears running down their face saying, who will help us? I sat and listened to people talk about how they started a business, but the bad sewage caused a flood and caused their property to be damaged. Do you know how it feels to take 10 steps forward only to take 10 steps backwards? I've sat in meetings and listened to seniors complain about investors coming in and buying property next to them and not keeping up with it. I've listened to mothers and fathers with children cry about how people are blowing through stop signs and afraid their children may be the victim of such violators. I've sat and watched and heard the people of Gary cry out about the lack of grocery stores and the amount of processed food pumped into the hood where minority people live. People crying about hunger and perpetual poverty. And after hearing all of that, after witnessing all of that, what I ultimately heard was a people crying out for a church that will enter their valley. A people crying out for a preacher. This valley called Gary is crying out for a prophet. Valley of hunger crying out. Valley of violence crying out to us flourish church. People don't want to live in their dead, cold, isolated valley. Instead, they are waiting. Hear me now. They are waiting. Crystal, they're, they're waiting, Hannah. Keep, 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 they're, they're waiting, Brad. Instead, they're waiting on a church has enough confidence in God of the universe to show up in their valley. A church that has a deeper love for the graveyard than they do their own brand. A church that has a vision bigger, far-reaching far than Sunday morning. A church that has the selflessness to say, not come here, but we're coming to you. And when we come, we are not just coming with things and resources that will make your physical condition better. No, 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 yes, that. But we got something better, y'all. We got something profound. We got something that no one else has. We got life. We got the gospel. We got something that the world didn't give us. And we got something that the world can't take away. We got the God of the universe. Oh, I wish I had a church this morning that believed that God was greater than any valley that we face. We are coming with something that will cause souls to rise up. We got a word from the Lord of heaven. Listen, it does, the valley no good if we got a word, but we never take it. It does the valley no good if all we do is proclaim the word while we're in church. But when we leave this joint, 
We ain't got nothing. Not nothing, but nothing to say. Does the valley no good? If those who are called by God never take it to it. The reason churches don't have a vision for the valley is because we don't go to the valley. Okay, let me run it again. The reason we don't have a vision for the valley is because we don't go to the valley. We fool ourselves and say that we go to the valley. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We got all the Christianese. We tell ourselves that one day I'm going to open up my mouth in the valley, but, but it's hard to go to the valley because we like our comfortable chairs. We like our air-conditioned buildings. Yes, we do. We don't like to be inconvenienced for other people. We prefer that they come to us. Can I park my car here and say that God came to your valley, that God pulled up in your dead place, that God met you where you were, that God showed up one day when you didn't know what to do, when you were in the dungeon, locked away with Satan taunting you and telling you you'll never be anything, you'll never be anybody, and a light broke forth in that dungeon because God showed up for you. And you mean to tell me that if God can wake you up, okay, that didn't hit the way that it should. No, I said you. No, still didn't hit. Let me try it again. Let me see. Let me see, I'm going to have to go another route. They're not with me yet. Um, no, I got to stay there. God woke you. Oh, see, you don't know you anymore. You, 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 you've been along this journey too long. You, you, you've been removed from the valley too long. So, so be, because you thought that when God found you, I, I really wasn't that bad. See, Dex, I was halfway dead. I wasn't dead dead. I, I was at least kicking. I, I showed signs of life. These other jokers in the room, they were dead, dead. But me, I kind of helped God with my uplifting. I didn't smoke, I didn't drink, I didn't chew, and I didn't run around with those who do. I was, I was, I was all right. I was all right. But can I tell you that all of us were dead when God found us? That all of us were in the valley. Oftentimes the vision is in the valley, y'all. This is what Zeke discovers as he goes to the valley. God takes, takes Zeke, my homeboy Zeke. God takes him out into a valley. He said, come on, Zeke, go with me. And he shows him what will come to pass in the future of the history of Israel. I love it. Ezekiel is in Babylon. In chapter 3, verses 22, he is told by God to physically go to a valley on his own to receive a revelation from God. And what does he sees when, when he goes to the valley? The valley is covered with bones. Ezekiel also makes the observation, not only are these bones there, but that there's a large volume of bones. And, and the other observation that he makes is he says that they're very dry. 
In other words, these bones ain't just dead. They dead dead. You know, just in case you thought that I was a little life kicking in these bones, he says, no, it's a lot of them, and they very dry. These bones fill the valley, therefore they were scattered about, not in piles. This is an indication that they were not produced in a single event, but over a great length of time. So they have been without life for a great length of time. All right, I hope you're getting the picture. A bunch of bones, they dead, dead. And this, they've been dead for a minute. Not a second, they've been dead for a minute. And so they have been without life for a great length of time. No vivid life has been in them for an extended period of time. So I got a question for the text. What killed these bones? These bones didn't just magically appear. We don't normally see bones out in the open because people are usually buried. This is an inhumane sight. What killed them bones? What I am discovering as I go into the valley and I ask the same questions on Thursdays at 6 at the mayor's meeting, these Gary bones are, are, are given a mic, and I ask, what killed these bones? And what I'm discovering is that, that, that there hasn't been life in many of these places for a long time. The lingering effects of redlining and segregation and mass incarceration and church abandonment have left a lot of dead and dry bones. What's killing Gary is inferior education, underemployment, paychecks that don't last long as a week does, in absence of dignity. Y'all, this situation is complicated, perplexed, dead, and devastated. My second question as I listen to these bones is bring Zeke to a dead, destitute, in Dry Valley. God, why are you bringing Zeke to a place full of dry bones? Because the text tells us God walked Zeke around the valley. God didn't just take him there. God walked him around the valley. Now, I don't know about you, but if somebody take me to a graveyard, and say, let's walk around. No, brother, I ain't going to be able to do that. Mm -mm. You ain't taking a brother through the graveyard. Ain't going to happen. The text says, God led me around and among them. And behold, they were very many on the surface of the valley. Behold, they were very dry. And God gives Zeke's question and our question with a question. Watch this. I love this part of the text. He said to Zeke, as he walked him around, as he showed him the many dry bones, he asked him this, y'all. Here it is. He said to me, son of man, can these bones live? Okay, you didn't shout. Because that question sounds crazy on the surface. See, we get so used to the scripture that we are not astonished by the scripture. Can you imagine somebody taking you to the graveyard and asking you the dumbest question in the world? Can these people live? Hecky, no, man, what's up? You want that stuff? No, I'm just playing. I mean, I get something, something wrong. You done went to one of them legal states. Never mind. Some of y'all looking at me like, don't look at me. I didn't have the vision. 
I ain't talking about that vision that come from that. I've taken a tour. All right, Demita, I'm going to get back on, on point here. And after taking a tour through the cemetery with God, and God asks him the question, and then Zeke says this. I love the way Dr. Dace put it. He said, Zeke says, oh, Lord God, you know. I mean, what else you going to say? God, you know. I don't know. Y'all ain't never been in that situation? <laughs> well, God, like, can this happen? I don't know. I know I tried, and ain't no happened. You think this situation's going to turn around? I don't know. I did anything. I know. You know, Lord, when you get to that place, you didn't turn your situation over to God. God, you know. And if you don't get me out this thing, one thing I know, that you know, that I know, that they know, that you know, that I'm out this bitch. Zeke says, oh, Lord God, you know. In other words, if they can live, if they can get up, the only person can answer that is you, oh, God, because the only person that can raise the dead is you. And I believe God took Zeke here to show him the impossible. God will take you to some valleys to show you the impossible, but not only to show you the impossible, but to show you the limitation of your own power, show you the limitation of your own resources. And sometimes God got to bring you to a place that you can't fit so that he can do what only God can do. I wish I had a church this morning because some of y'all know that God has brought you to some places that you couldn't fix. God has brought you to some places where you have to lean on them a little bit more. God has brought you to some places where you scratch your head and say, I don't know what I'm going to do, but you, oh Lord, you know. God has brought some of us to our knees. Some of us with tear-stained eyes on our pillows have to cry out to God and say, God, I ain't got nothing else. Oh, help me preach this morning, oh God. Oh, some of us uh, has brought us to that place. Because God wants us to know Bethel Gary, soon to be flourished, that the preacher can't fix this. That good programming can't fix this. No, 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 no stage and lights can fix this. No cool dressing pastor can fix this. Don't start, nothing won't be none. I want to talk about me. You making that assumption. Just saying. That this mission is not for man. Not, this cannot be fixed by power, by might, but by my spirit. I'm trying to preach this morning. There are some things that God will put you in, that God will put before you, that you're going to have to, baby, you're going to have to pray more. There's some of us struggling with things in our lives that ain't coming off because we refuse to pray more. 
There's some things that we're trying to scrub out of our lives that only come by the Spirit of God. God takes Zeke to a place that requires supernatural power way beyond anything humanly possible. And flourish, this has to be our posture as a church that looks out on dry bones and say, only you know, Lord. On November 12th, when we go and prepare our new home and rip out carpet and fill up dumpsters and clean dirt off windows and we... Let me pause there. Y'all heard that? Okay, let me keep going. Make these dry bones come on November 12th, God. When we wonder if this church that was once a vital part of the community can become vital again, we ought to say, only you know, Lord. When we start cleaning the city and ask, can this city ever look clean again? We ought to say, only you know, Lord. Or when we go on block in hopes to seek folks delivered from the kingdom of darkness and transferred to the marvelous life of Jesus, and we wonder if it's possible, we ought to say, Mama Belle, only you know, Lord. What do you see when you look at the world around you? Although the people around us may be living their lives, working their job, enjoying their hobbies, raising their families, while they may be charming, intellectual, reasonable, it ain't just, it, it ain't just poor folks, but even those type of folks that y'all think are, are better than other folks and look apparently fit, if they don't know Jesus, they are spiritually dead. I hate when people say, them people in Gary, they really need Jesus. I just say, only you know, Lord. <laughs> what? Are we reading our Bibles? They really need Jesus? I thought we already need him, but okay. Paul tells us that until the Holy Spirit quickens a man or a woman to spiritual life, they are dead in trespasses in and sin. This can be true of your husband, your wife, your parents, your children, your friends, your neighbors, or your coworkers. While they may be full of physical, they can be dead spiritually. Halloween is 24-7, y'all. What do you do with the dead, dry, destitute, and defeated people? Well, as Ezekiel looked over the valley of dry bones, God spoke to the prophet and told him what to do. Ezekiel was shown that he had a personal responsibility to the valley, Melissa. And he had a personal responsibility, Will, to the valley of dead, dry bones. And I want you to see this because the same responsibility that rested on Ezekiel's shoulders didn't rest on ours today. God commanded Zeke to preach to them bones. Then he said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones. Behold, I will cause breath to enter you. I'm happy in my soul now. You shall live, and I will lay sinew upon you, and you will cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you, and you shall live, and you shall know that I am the Lord. Ezekiel was commanded now. Help me finish my sermon now, church. I'm almost done. I kept you too long. Ezekiel was commanded to preach to a valley filled with skeletons. Nothing could be more foolish or ridiculous 
than to preach to a bunch of dry bones. But only it only seemed foolish and ridiculous when you fail to understand the power of God's Word. And what Zeke is experiencing is a paradigm shift. It's not about what he's looking at now. It's about what he's looking through. I'm trying to help y'all out this morning. Until you see the world the way Jesus sees the world, you can't live like Jesus. You can't lead like Jesus. But the moment you have a Jesus paradigm shift, dry bones don't look as dry anymore. That's right. Dead situations don't look as dead anymore. Remember, come here, Mary, and come here, Martha. Help me preach to God's people. Oh, I'm here now. Remember when they came up to Jesus? What they said now. If you would have been here, you can sense the attitude. I mean, I mean, I mean, if you just, James, if you just rub your finger across the text, you, you can feel how hot it is. You can feel it. She's aggravated. If you don't watch it, it'll hop on you. He gets there. Funeral's over with. People eating baked macaroni and cheese and fried chicken. The collard greens are on the table. Jesus shows up, and he said, what's up, y'all? What up, fam? Adam, he get there. He's like, what up? Martha said, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. And you know why I know he wouldn't have died? Because I've seen you speak and people come to life. I've seen you touch eyes and eyes open. I've seen it. Oh, yes, I've seen it. I've seen you take a lunchable and multiply it so that 5,000 people can eat. I've seen you walk on water. I've seen what you can do. And if you would have been here, you could have done something. And Jesus stands straight up, and he looks Martha in her eye. And he said, you got the wrong paradigm, sister. I need you to look through a different lens, so let me fix you right now. I am the resurrection, and I am the life. Life is standing before you right now. I can come late. I can come years later. I can come four days later. I can come five days later. I can come because ain't nothing ever too late for me because ain't nothing outside of my jurisdiction. Kidneys, dry bones, Leah, if I say so. If I say so. Hey, y'all remember it keeps going on. She like, yeah, sure, I know. See, y'all, y'all just be, y'all, y'all be reading the Bible. Y'all know how to read the Bible. Let me tell you. She like, yeah, I know. Uh, but that's, you know, that's on a resurrection day. You know, that's like out there, you know. No. No, 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 no. <laughs> you, 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 you got it misunderstood. I can speak now. And he's coming. Lazarus, come forth. Can you feel the ground shaking when it leaves his mouth? Can, 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 can you feel the, the rats coming off as, as this dead man begins to walk out of the tomb? And, and, and all of a sudden, the man who is dead is now alive. Ezekiel commands Ezekiel, prophesy over these bones. It's important to know that this is the reason for prophecy in the Bible. It is speaking on God's behalf. And friends, when God speaks, 
things happen. Remember, he spoke in Genesis, and what happened? I love the way one theologian said, when God said, let there be light, light, light started straining forth to become. Remember when he spoke to Sarah's womb? She had an AARP card, and yet God, God likes to show up when, when everything is dead and dry. Let me just keep going. Sarah, I'll cause life to happen. And what happened? Sarah laughed at God. But a couple chapters later, Sarah was pregnant because when God speaks, things happen. Remember, he spoke to the, 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 the stuttering coward on the back end of the desert who said, God, I can't do this. And what happened? He rose up, chosen Moses, and he did great things. Remember, he spoke to the Red Sea, and it spread it, and they walked through on dry land, no mud between their toes. Remember, he spoke to the wind in the sea when his disciples were running frantic and scary and had anxiety, and they like, God, what you doing? You chilling on the bottom of the boat. Can't you see that there's a storm? I'm going up. He says, oh, ye of little faith. And he spoke to the winds, and the wind said, let's go ahead and take a nap. <laughs> and you know what they said? Like afterwards. And disciples always did this. They, they, because they like you and I. They used to always act like they understood what Jesus was saying. <laughs> but, they, but they didn't really know. what Jesus, I remember Jesus used to tell like parables and stuff, and they'd be like, yeah, that's right, that's right. We don't know what he's talking about. Uh, but we the disciples, you know that's how church folks are. We, we you know, you know, we supposed to know him. So so we act like, yeah, right, 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 yeah. And A equals B and C D. I got you. And then afterwards they'll pull him to the side. Like, hey Jesus, when you was out there early on, we didn't know what you was talking about. Can you kind of like unravel some of that for us? And they said, Who is this that the wind and the seas obey him? But you don't really need. Moses, you don't need Abraham, you don't need Ezekiel, you don't need the blind man. You got your own story. Don't you got your own story, church? Isn't he able to do the impossible? I remember sitting in a church at 16 years old and heard the gospel preach, and that gospel gripped my soul. And I didn't fully understand everything, but something down inside of me said, I need that. And God took this young man, and he washed me up. Oh, I ain't saying I got it all together. I got some ups and I got some downs. But to be quite frank, he changed me all the way around. I'm telling y'all right now that he's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you would ever think or even ask. Remember when he spoke to you? Some of y'all, he spoke to your dead marriage, and look at it now. Come on, amen, somebody. Many of you had low self-esteem, and look at you now. If you lost your job and thought you lost your identity, but God's word has kept you together. Oh, I love the word of God. It'll keep you together. Now here's the question. If God can raise your dead self up, are you doubting God can do the same for your neighbor? Because you thought you were halfway dead, but you didn't need a full resurrection. I tell you what. We were all dead. We were demoned. The word of God will pull lives together the same way he did here in Ezekiel. We read that they lived. Those corpses were animated, vitalized, brought back to life. As astonished prophet watched, a valley filled with dead came to life. 
they were animated, y'all. The bones, they stood up. Bones got up. Started well, I don't know about y'all. I'd have kicked my J's off. I'm gone. <laughs> I'm hitting a buck. And if I see one of y'all run, I'm running too. I ain't even asking no what you running for? What you running for? <laughs> it is what it is. It is what it is. <laughs> but they stood up, y'all, on their feet. God brought them to life. And what I love about this is that when dead things stand up, God gets all the glory. And I might be crazy, y'all, and y'all may need to check me in, but I believe that God can cause Gary to live again. I believe that God's going to raise up an army of folks that are going to give him glory because of the salvation that he's getting ready to bring. And when God blows into people's lives, people live again. Ezekiel does what the Lord's command and first says, Behold, an earthquake, these cause the bones to come together forming bodies. Then the sinews were laid upon the bones in stage two. And then stage three sees flesh covering them. And stage four is the breath of life. God causes them to stand up. And he caused the result in exceedingly great art. In exceedingly great art. Oh, I'm praying to God that he will raise up an army of dry bones. God will raise up people on fire for him. I believe this word is able to do it. This word will make dead people living, stingy church folks give, grumbling people happy, gossiping tongues praise him. Can these bones live? Yes, they can. Yesterday, we hosted a block party, and I'm done. Uh, this all came about as God has kind of been stirring our hearts to go into the valleys. And one day, I hit up Christian and Julie, and I said, hey, y'all, uh, Y'all want to go in the valley with me? They said, yes, sir. So they came, and we went door to door. We knocked on each person's house. We said, hey, man, we want to do a block party here on our block for the first time. Would you guys be interested? And all of them said, yes, y'all. And yesterday, it came to fruition. Everybody on the block participated in the block party. We had fun. We had games. We had game trucks. We have barbecue, y'all. If can't nothing else make people live, barbecue. Remember that barbecue? What number of bones left? No, I'm messing around. That wasn't an astonishing part. My wife, I finally got in the house rested after walking back and forth and carrying things. I'm tired, y'all. Wife said, did you uh, make sure the cars were locked? I said, shit, you know how somebody call you right when you get in bed? Y'all ain't never had that? In that split second, is this you, the Holy Spirit, or your flesh? <laughs> I, you know, you know, it's hard. And so she says, you need to go see if the car's alive. So I get up, and I go outside, and my neighbor next door, who I've been praying about, she said, hey, Dexter. Come here. It's five of them around the fire. And she said, you know, I've been telling my family and friends about your church. And we've been wanting to come. And today, 
They were really moved by what you did. We want to come to your services. How long are they? That's good. That's good. All right, shake it. I said, can these bones live? <laughs> Only you know, God. I said about, about an hour and a half, two hours at the longest. Depending on how long I decided to preach. They said, we're going to come check you out now. now. Of course, I took it by a grain of salt because they had red solo cups in their hand. And I said, Lord, you know. But here's the point. Yesterday was not about closing the deal. It was about building relationships. It was about going in the valley. And what if could happen there? He knows. My encouragement to you all is you would see people through the paradigm of Jesus. That you would go to your valley. Would love on people. Just love on them. Talk to them. And God knows whether those bones will live. I believe the day is coming where I'll be able to proclaim truth to my neighbor and to all her family because she's doing the evangelizing full time.